Thanks, everyone. You know, it's one thing to get up here and MC a service, but it's something different when you kind of bare your heart to people. And hopefully I can talk through a few concepts with you today and hopefully change your mind about a few things. About God, really, because it's all about Him, right? So, a couple of weeks ago, I was in the lab. I don't know, maybe some of you don't know that I'm a research scientist. And I've been working in research for over 20 years. I know I'm really young. I started when I was 15. Um, but over that period of time, I've done so many complex pieces of work. I've done worked on so many projects. We've published heaps. Feel free to Google me, F.E. Scorgi. Um, not F. Scorgi, because she publishes in a whole other area. There's a couple of us. Um, but you know, I do forget that what I do sometimes is really cool. I do it every day, day in, day out, that I forget that there's this wow factor to what I do. And, you know, when I'm teaching students, I actually realise that what I do is actually really exciting. And this can kind of be like God. You know, we get so used to spending time with God, doing God things, reading his word, and we just go, meh, right oh God. You know, yeah, you raised that guy from the dead down the road, but eh, whatever. So, you know, I think we get familiar with God and we get complacent with God, just like I do with my work. You know, we get, I get so familiar that I actually don't realise what I'm actually doing in my, in my laboratory. So I just want to um, share with you today like a little reminder about this amazingness of God and, and just how cool he really is and, and um, hopefully you'll remember, you'll remember. And whatever this is, this, in, this indifference or complacency, hopefully you will be able to move beyond that and actually grasp hold of this amazing God that we serve, this amazing God that we get to do life with. And hopefully you can live with a bigger vision of your God and a bigger vision of your world, your life and the things that you do for him. So, that was like two pages, it's done. This could be really quick. <laughs> this is powering through. So how am I going to do this today? I'm just going to go back to this amazing story that I've been thinking about for quite some time. And it's the story of Pentecost. And I've really been thinking about this. We've been studying a lot about the Holy Spirit in you. So I've been thinking about Pentecost for a long time. And for me, Pentecost is one of the biggest miracles in the Bible. It's the biggest outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we see. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. Pentecost is actually an amazing event. And, you know, we often just talk about Pentecost, you know, not long after Easter, what is it, 50 days. But, you know, every day should be Pentecost Day. You know, we should be living our lives every day in the spirit of Pentecost. And so, you know, at Pentecost what we see is Jesus, God the Son, who's already been presencing himself on this earth. You know, and he's been with his disciples, hanging out with them in, the, in their presence. But you know, the day of Pentecost sees our limitless God, a God with no limits, with the creator of heaven, the creator of earth, 
He wants to present himself in a new way. And to me, this is amazing. He wants to actually impart himself. God wants to impart himself into us, his creatures. And I say creatures because sometimes we forget that God is God. We get a God complex. And I want to tell you, we are not God. But we can certainly partner with God and share in his amazing works. And we can do even greater things than he did on this earth. And I love this scripture in John 14, 12. And I'm reading from, from the NRSV, but we probably have the New Living Translation up there. Um, it says, Truly, truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. So I don't know about you, but I want to be doing greater works. In Jesus. And you know, I'll just tell you this little story. Like, I don't know, it was a while ago now. This bird flew into my window. And I thought to myself, I wonder if it's dead. And I didn't want to have to pick up this dead bird, right? So I just left it there for a few days. I made sure it was really dead. And I thought, how about I try and raise this thing from the dead? So go out onto my veranda and I start praying for this bird to be raised from the dead. Now, I don't know, do you guys do this stuff? You know, just stand on the window. I just thought I'd give this a go. Now, I'd love to tell you that that bird flew off into the sunset, but unfortunately, that is not where it ended up. But what I'm saying is, I want to live that kind of life. I want to be able to speak to things. I want to see people raised. I, in fact, I don't even want to speak to things. I just want to walk past someone. Suddenly, like, my shadow will hit them, and they'll just be resurrected. I just think that'd be cool, but you know, got to start somewhere, right? And the, the bird was there. You should try it. Okay, where am I to? That wasn't in my notes. Okay, so how do we live a life like this? Okay. Okay, forget about the bird. How do we live a life like this? Let's go to Acts 2, 1, 13. This is also the NRSV. Sorry, I've thrown a spanner in the works. Okay. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rushing of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we here, each of us, in our own native language. Okay. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages we hear them speaking about God's deeds and power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said they are filled with new wine. 
Okay, so. What I want to do is, um, is just talk the three principles from that scripture. And the first one is connection, the second one is intimacy, and the third one is power. Connection with God, intimacy with God, and then through these, intimacy, connection and intimacy, the power of God will be released in your life. So picture it. All the followers of Jesus are hanging out together and this huge sound erupts among them. The sound of a rushing wind. No actual wind, just the sound of a wind. Now, I'm not sure about you, but I'm thinking I'd be pretty kind of freaking out. I probably would have had a number of emotions happening inside of me at that time, thinking, what on earth is going on? But then, you got this fire, these tongues of fire just floating around the room. What is that? I've no idea. I would be actually just, I'd probably lose it right then. I'd be thinking, what the heck is going on? So, you know, sometimes when we read scripture, well, probably most of the time when we read scripture, we forget what it was probably like for these people. You know, they're all hanging out. Yeah, we talk about they're expecting the Holy Spirit, but they didn't actually know what that meant. They were just hanging out, praying, waiting, waiting for something to happen. And then suddenly, boom, this sound so loud just erupts amongst them. You know, when we read this way down the track, we have had the disciples have actually experienced more of God, more of the Holy Spirit. They've sort of thought back to whatever the Hebrew Bible was talking about and they've managed to put language about it and, you know, what we read in the Bible is quite sanitised. And to be honest, I think Peter would have gone, what the is going on? So, you know, I think we need to really think about what we're actually reading when we come to look at the Bible. We need to put ourselves in there and think about how we would be responding. You know, I think I would be very confused. I'd be confused, I'd be terrified. It would be a chaotic scene. They would have been asking a lot of questions. What on earth is going on? You know, but then suddenly the knowing happens. They probably didn't have any idea still what was going on. But what they knew is in that moment that they knew it was the one they knew. It was Jesus. And this knowing that I'm talking about is being filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, I know you know what I'm talking about. And so my first point is connection. Being filled with the Holy Spirit for me is the biggest miracle. When our Almighty God, our Holy God, connects His Spirit with our very own human spirit, we become eternally joined with Him. A newness of life and character. We get a newness of life and character and we become, as 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, a new creation. We carry God's supernaturalness in us. His holiness, his righteousness, his love, his peace and his power. We carry his DNA and we carry his presence. Our lives as we knew them no longer exist. There's a point. 
our life there and our life, I should say, AC, after Christ. And so, you know, our life then becomes wrapped up with him. It's no longer our life, it's our life in him. We become one with him in Christ and we sit in heavenly places with him. And we share God's authority because we sit with him in that place of authority. And so when we pray in Jesus' name, things will absolutely happen. So if we say to the mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and we do not doubt in our hearts, but believe, then it'll happen. To me, that is pretty amazing. And when you can understand the authority that you carry, the presence of God that you carry, and the authority that you carry, you become, you become unstoppable, unstoppable in God. And this connection, though, is very important for our Christian walk. In fact, it's essential for our Christian walk. And for me, this is actually the meaning of Pentecost. It's the joining of us humans with God and God entering our lives in a new way. Yes, raising people from the dead is really cool. They are all amazing. But, you know, none of that can happen if we're not connected first. And honestly, this idea just blows my mind. Just think right now, each one of you here, sitting in HCC, not only do you carry God around inside of you, but you're continually connected to him right now. I've got a picture of this. It's kind of like you have a Holy Spirit umbilical cord straight up to God. And that's just us walking around. And the cool thing is, while we're connected to God, we're also connected to one another because we're all connected to God. So there's a big web of connection. <coughs> the scary thought, though, is because we remain connected with God, everywhere we go, into every situation, and in everything we do, God is there. Okay, that, that's actually cool, except if you're doing stuff you shouldn't be. So, what are you doing? But you know, this is, to me is still amazing. To be able to be connected to God, continually to God, and just have him everywhere I want to go. To tap into God. That, to me, is a miracle. An absolute miracle. What a God, what God would want to do that, connect to humanity. It just blows my mind. But you know, connection is only the first point. And it's the first thing that we see in Pentecost. The second thing is intimacy. And at Pentecost we witness this connectedness in action. You know, the Holy Spirit fills the disciples and takes hold of their tongue. You know, their mind, their heart, their body. Whoops, that could be a different spot. Let me flip that. Oh yes, sorry. <laughs> Didn't think that was right. Intimacy, okay. For those of you who don't know, I've, I've done theology and um, one of my favourite contemporary theologians is Willie James Jennings. And he has an amazing, um, what do you call it, amazing commentary on the book of Acts. Something that has radically changed my perspective. And what I love about this um, commentary is that he calls Acts the revolution of the intimate. And he joins the dots to me and he says, my paraphrase, 
he draws a parallel between the overshadowing of Mary, the mother of Jesus by the Holy Spirit at Jesus' conception, with the overshadowing of the disciples by the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. God's presence. Except unlike Mary, the disciples at Pentecost, I've already mentioned, become joined with God. So connectedness is central to intimacy in his relationship. And this is really what God desires. He wants an intimate relationship with his creation, his creatures. For those of you who are married, I think you would agree there's nothing more than more intimate than connectedness with your spouse. And this is the kind of intimacy that God wants to have with us. He wants to know us and he wants to just live life with us. This is how Jennings describes this move of God. What I said before. At Pentecost, we witness this connectedness in action as the Holy Spirit fills the disciples and takes hold of their tongue and voice, mind, heart, and body, as God not only breaks into their day but also interrupts their life. God touches them and the disciples respond. And so, if we go back to Acts 2 4, when we see the disciples speaking miraculously, because they haven't learned this language. It's a miraculous move of God. They're speaking in these languages. I wonder if they knew what they were saying. I don't know. Um, so they're speaking in these languages, and those people in their vicinity were perplexed because they actually understood what God was speaking. I counted about 18 languages. So God had 18 languages on the go. They were probably being spoken simultaneously. It was probably a cacophony of noise. But you know what? That shows me God did not want to leave anyone out. He wanted to make sure everyone who was around actually heard and knew what was happening. Actually wanted to make sure they understood what he was trying to tell them. And he told them what they needed to hear. Testament scholar Luke Timothy Johnson says, being able to understand in that moment what God was saying is in stark contrast to the times, because at that time they had all these, what is it, sea sayers or whatever they want, whatever you want to call it, these um, these oracles that would speak on behalf of other gods, and these ecstatic or inspired utterances were mostly just ramblings and gibberish, and no one could understand them. And these needed to be translated. Yet at Pentecost, we witness God, the God of intimacy, who communicates directly with his creatures. Everyone was bypassed. And you know, just how God broke into my life um, when I was trying to do my lab work, he knew exactly what language he needed to speak. And he got his message across. So, God desires intimacy. He desires intimacy with each one of you here and he desires intimacy with those here on these walls. But you know, you've got to be listening. If you're listening, you'll hear him. And that brings me to the third point, power. So we have connection, intimacy and power. The miraculous power of God is what we normally talk about when we talk about 
the Pentecost event. That's okay because God is a powerful God. And God reveals his power throughout scripture, starting from the very beginning. With the creation story, we see the wind. Again, we have the wind. The wind of God sweeping over the face of the waters. And then we have fire, you know. Um, in Exodus 3, 2, we have the story of Moses and the burning bush. Except the bush wasn't burning. God leads the Israelites through the desert wilderness at night by fire. So wind and fire are, are actually um, divine demonstrations of God's divine power. So while the, the disciples would have been freaking out, once they had thought about what was happening, they would have been able to relate it back to that. You know, there are many other examples in the Bible of God's power. God's power, it's nothing new. But connection and intimacy must come first before, before power. Otherwise, we use it for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, for those who know me, there's no way I'd let anyone borrow something I owned without knowing them. And I'm not even God. <laughs> Although, he's a lot more gracious than I am. So we need connection and intimacy and then power. And you know, I don't want to be like the seven sons of Siva. I want to be more like Paul. I'll just read Acts 19:11-16. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that when the handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick, their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some itinerant Jewish exorcists tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, "I adjure you by the by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims." Seven sons of the Jewish high priest named Siva were doing this. But the evil spirit said to them in reply, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man with the spirit, the evil spirit, leapt on them, mastered them all, and so overpowered them, and they fled out of the house naked and wounded. I don't want to be like that. <laughs> I don't want to be wounded. I certainly don't want to be attacked by an evil spirit, but... Um, I don't want to be like that. I want to know God. I want to be known by God and have access to his power so that I can live a truly supernatural life. You know, I want to be bold in my obedience to him. And when people need healing and I pray for them, I want them to be healed. I want to raise a bird. Why not? <laughs> when people need deliverance, they will be freed. And when people need love, I want to be able to give it to them. And you know, that is the important thing about God's power. And we see that at Pentecost, is that the power of God was not for the disciples. It was for those people in the hearing. That's great. So God's power is not for us. We can harness God's miraculous power to introduce others to Jesus, but it's certainly not for us. You know, later in Acts 2.41, we find out that because the disciples spoke in those languages, 3,000 new converts were added to God's kingdom that day. And that is why we, we have the power of God in our life. As far as I know, the mandate to speak to others about Jesus still stands. You know, Mark 16, 15, 18 says, 
And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. The one who believes and is baptized will be saved, but the one who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs, these miracles, God's power, will accompany those who believe. By using my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes in their hands. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. And they, and they will lay their hands on the sick and recover. Connection, intimacy and power. If you want a powerful Christian walk, get connected. You know, just invite God into your heart. God's already in your heart. Plug into the power socket. Spend time with him in intimacy. God wants intimate relationships. He speaks your language. He goes out of his way to speak your language and speak to you. You know, just you've got to listen. Don't forget about him. Don't park him on the sideline of your daily life. Make sure you tap him in, tap him in all the time. He wants to be involved in your day. He wants to break in at any time. You know, he does that to me a lot. Like I could be doing washing dishes or cooking or something. And right then and there, he'll give me an object lesson. You know, just like a friend, he just wants to share his heart with me. And I know he wants that for you as well. Because God speaks your language. You know, and you're a channel for God's power. That's why we live by the power of God. Not for us, but for other people. God is about other people, always. You know, that's why he sent Jesus, for other people, not for himself. You know, don't be like the Dead Sea. Don't let just water flow into you and not go anywhere else. Be like an ocean. Be like all the water flowing into you so that wildlife will thrive. Be like that. Be living life like that. Be for God and be for other people. And that's all I've got. How good was that? Connection, intimacy, power. And uh, I think it's so good that uh, we live in a world that's surrounded by people that need an encounter with Jesus. True? They go, they're, they're broken, they're hurting, they're sick, they're anxious, they've got so much going on. And uh, we get to be stewards of God's power toward them. Uh, but that can only come, as as Steve said, it starts with us. It starts with connection, getting deeper, and then being a conduit for God's power to flow through us to reach others. So why don't we stand together? I'm going to pray. And uh, just before I do pray, after the service, if you're here this morning and something Fiona's been saying to you and you think, you know what, I'd, I'd love someone to pray with me and, uh, and uh, help me to be greater connected or, or help me to be uh, just, just a touch of uh, heaven. Or a, I'll start again. If you want someone to pray for you because you just need someone to pray for you, that's easier. If you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I don't know what I'm doing, but I just want more of God, uh, we'd love to pray with you and speak over you and help you connect to where you need to be connected to. Um, but Father God, we come before you today, Lord, just so amazed that you choose us to be conduits for you. Not just conduits, you choose for us to know you, to be connected, Lord, to know you deeply to experience all that you are. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to embrace you in a greater way. 
Lord, I pray that you help us to, to, to walk and to experience all that you are in us. But Lord, help us to understand that your power for us and in us is for others and through us to others. And so Lord, I pray that we won't be a, a church that just is like the Dead Sea, that just allows everything to come in. Lord, you'd help us to understand that at Pentecost, your power of your spirit at work, your very spirit in us, is that we can touch and reach others with the good news of Jesus. And so, Lord, help us to do that. Help us this week, Lord, whether we're helping out a kids' holiday club or we're, we're visiting people or we're taking some time out, Lord, help us to be a conduit of your grace and power toward others. And uh, help us to understand that that power is not of us, it's of you. And uh, Lord, we ask this in your precious, precious name. Amen. Amen.